MMA FanCast. We are going to talk about UFC Fight Night 106. Vitor Belfort and Kelvin Gastelum went at it. We talk about that and several of the other fights on the card last night. We're going to talk about Gastelum calling out Anderson Silva. Should Vitor Belfort finally call it quits and retire? Ty Woodley, he is the ultimate anti-hero, but he's not willing to embrace it. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about if Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor are ever going to actually fight, or are they just going to talk? We'll talk about the UFC 210 card, as well as next weekend's UFC Fight Night, Manawa and Anderson, and we will also talk about GSP and Bisping. Is GSP worthy of this shot? All of that right now on MMA FanCast. Another week of MMA action, of UFC action has come and gone, and yet here we are, back as always. Reliable, dependable MMA fancast brought to you by Octagon247.com. I am your host, Ryan Middleton, and I am joined by quite a cast of characters. Introducing first, we have the man, the legend, no, not Jim Sahara Mooney, we have his replacement, the new oldest man that I have ever met, Johnny Stats. The oldest, you don't meet a lot of old people, do you? Well, I... I just like to recognize the person that's in that chair as being the oldest human being on the face of the earth. Alrighty. Also joining us is the man that some of you have claimed is not a casual fan. There are people out there that believe that Terry Dactyl is not just a casual fan, but he is more. Ladies and gentlemen, the man of the hour, Terry Dactyl. What's up? What's... Uh, That's not your line. That's not my line. You Where's Sahara at? Where? I mean, believe me. Wait a second. I am glad that Johnny Stats is here. But it's feeling a little too humid in here without the dryness of the Sahara. So we're going to need to change that at some point. We are Sahara Dry here at MMA FanCast. Or in other words, Saharaless. Very nice. Well done. i got to give props to you, Mr. Dactyl. Mr. Dactyl. So we're on the... Um, what's the... I was going to say on the eve, but that's not right. It's not the eve. Uh, the day after. What is that? The We are on the... Post-eve, of course. Post-eve? No, 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 no. <laughs> we are on the day flip after. side. <laughs> we are on the... 
We are, on, yeah, we are on to the next topic. <laughs> Give us a stat here, brother. It's 100% the day after. UFC Fight Night 106 has come and gone. And, you know, I, I got to say it was a little bit of a... Um, it was a solid card, but um, I don't know. I, I, I had a little bit higher expectations of the card. Yeah, you seemed really. I was kind of. Yeah, yeah, you seemed like the. Oh, this is going to be a really good card. A lot of good fights, and so you know, as a casual fan, there wasn't really, there wasn't really anything that caught my eye. Although I will say that there were a lot of names that I recognized, probably from pay-per-view cards. Um, but nothing, nothing that was. I mean, maybe Gasolum, but I only, I've only known him for pay-per-views, so it's not like it was a big draw or anything. I watched it, but. Nothing to write home about. Yeah, so Betch Correa, that's the, the thing I want to talk about um, the most. No, well, not the most, but listen, I got to tell you guys, and, and John and I got into this before. When you I was, know we can't talk before podcast. When I was yelling at him, no, no, don't talk about stuff. We got to talk about it on the air. So if uh, I'm going to kind of fill you in if you didn't see it. Betch Correa won the first two rounds of her match and got pretty much dominated in the third round. And after the fight was... And, and, and so there, there's a majority draw is the decision. And after the fight, um, which it, it which is how I scored it. Two rounds to Betch, one round to... Um, but a dominant round. But a dominant round to Renault. And so I scored it the same exact way. Although there was um, one of the referees did score one of the first two rounds for for Renault. But Betch Correa, after she gets literally dominated in the third round, is dancing like provocatively, like it was very awkward. It was it made me uncomfortable. So weird. It was just so weird. And so my, we we got the opportunity in Cleveland to meet Betch. She was very pleasant, very nice, yeah. and she, like I think she's overcome after fights by emotion, right? So we're in Cleveland. She fights, and we meet her before the fights. We talk to her after the fights. Always very pleasant, very nice. Nothing controversial about her meeting her in the hotel lobby and hanging out with her and stuff. Right. Who did she fight? Andra? She fought. Well, that was the funny thing is she fought. Um, oh, I can't. I you know me with popping name. The the Cleveland girl. Oh, Jessica. Je- I. Jessica I. She beats. She's hometown girl. Jessica I. Crowd favorite. Betch after the fight, like taunts the Cleveland crowd, gets them all fired up, and then. In this fight, she's in her home crowd, gets a draw, and is literally dancing, but even before that, but gets dominated in the third round, and is dancing like she's a stripper. She got up from, I mean, the last four minutes of the round, that third round, she was on the ground getting... 
annihilate. I don't know how she survived. Yeah, she did a good job of surviving. At, at certain point, with about a minute left, you could tell that she had her wits about her and she was okay. But prior to that, she was in big trouble and she was just getting absolutely dominated on the ground. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you get up from that and you start dancing. Even if you, even if you had... 10-8 dominating rounds in the first two rounds, you still don't get up after getting dominated in the third round, dancing provocatively and acting. You gotta see the replay. It's quite amusing. Yeah, that was one of the fights that I didn't see. And, um, yeah, I mean, Vitor Belfort, let's just say, something tells me that TRT was a big part <laughs> of Vitor Belfort's success and look at his physique. He looks like a different human being. So what you saw last night is is a TRT-less Vitor Belfort. Look back at some picture. He was like a, an Adonis physique, like just an absolute beast, like chiseled. And, yeah, you, you got to wonder how much that was. But Kelvin Gastelum, I'll tell you what. He took some shots. He, he took didn't. some hard shots, like a champ. You know, not many people hit as hard it as didn't Vitor. Even, it didn't even phase him. Though. I know. He, I mean, he wasn't even zombie walking through them. It was almost like they were landing, and that it's almost like it didn't. It landed, but it didn't. It didn't. He no-sold it. In wrestling, we call that no-selling, where somebody hits you and you don't react. He says in wrestling, we. You're not in wrestling. I hate to tell you. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm in the kinship of wrestling. <laughs> Terry Dactyl. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think Gas. you know, I've been very critical of Kelvin Gastelum because of his weight cutting issues and his yeah. not making weight and the unprofessionalism. That I As well, you should have. Yeah, I think you had every right to feel that way. He belongs at 185. I think so, too. It, it, it's clear to me that he belongs at 185. That he's giving up some height, but he, he he's a But fighter. he's a stocky dude. He is. He is not a 170-pound fighter. No. I think, he's, I think he's feeling better fighting at 185. The guy's walking around over 200. Yeah. He does not. They've got. They've got to figure something out with the the whole weight cutting issue. There's got to be a better way to do it. How about if you miss weight more than once, you aren't going to be scheduled for that weight class. And or if they weighed him in a week before and you had to be within what? That you doesn't do work. That. You're penalizing those that consistently make weight. But that's not healthy either, though. It, but that's the whole thing. You've got to to be a. If I'm going to fight at 180 pounds and I walk around at 200, if I'm going to wait until the last second, I'm not going to be as healthy for that fight doing that. You can't punish have, guys because of how they, they do get to that weight. You have to be, like on Monday or something, you have to be at a certain percent. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. But if, yeah, so... That's a new rule. I think that's fairly new. Good. Um, I think that came. I don't know for sure. Yeah, but all that to say, it he's looking like good at this It feels like to me, it happened the same time as the new weigh-ins. Probably. Yeah. Um, but he should definitely stick to to 185. He did seem to talk about maybe still fighting some at the lower weight, but. Yeah, I, if I'm Dana White, 
And I'm Sean Shelby. I am not booking him for a fight. I'm just telling him flat out. You want to fight in the UFC, you're fighting at 185. Yeah, I would agree. Um, there was a quite a bloodbath. Um, what fight was that? Joe Soto. Is it wasn't it Soto that was absolutely? I mean, it was a complete bloodbath. Um, Soto and 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 Ronnie Yaya um, bump, <laughs> cracked heads fairly early in the fight. In the within the first two minutes of the first round. Um, an accidental headbutt that actually stunned Ronnie Aya and put him on a knee, and uh, and Joe Soto split him wide open. And I mean, if you didn't watch the prelims and you just started watching the uh, main card, you're you're like looking at the uh, ring apron and going, "What <laughs> happened? Did they have like the Terminator surgery? Yeah, <laughs> did they have." They have just like some crazy elective surgeries going on in the in the ring before. It was one of the bloodiest. I mean, it was a single cut too, but he had to he had to have lost a pint of blood. I think after each round, Ronnie Yaya was like covered in Soto's blood. I mean, his back was cut. He had he had it everywhere on him. It was ridiculous. But overall, I think a solid card. Um, it was nice to see uh, Kevin Lee looked good. Tim How about that Means, flying knee from Barboza. Yeah, cool. yeah, it was. Uh, that was crazy. Yeah. Um, Shogun looked great, and that's a like a flashback because he hasn't looked. I mean, he's an they older need a Legends guy. Division. The Legends Division would be rock and roll. We've been clamoring for a Legends Division for. I mean, a really long time. I think since one of the first few episodes, I think you brought that up. <laughs> well, I, I was making a joke because we haven't been on the air very long. But. We've been on the air for months now. Yeah. And we're climbing the charts. Climbing the charts. Climbing the charts. And that's because part of the reason that is happening is because people are rating us, reviewing us, and subscribing to us. You know, yes. I... I was looking at our reviews and yeah, someone stole my name and wrote a review and it really looks like it could have been me. Mm, that's awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Quite awkward. Very awkward. But you know what? At least they took the time to review us. At least they did. So r- rate, review, and subscribe. I like that. That's a good... Did, where'd you hear that from? I w- one... Okay, I, I'll tell you the backstory to Kay. this. There's this guy I can't stand. He said that one time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Terry Dactyl! <laughs> Dactyl! So, um, yeah, uh, UFC Fight Night 106, a In good night of fights. Nothing spectacular. Not 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 a. Is, that's happening, though, lately. The, the cards that look like they're going to be good on paper seem to not be delivering while cards like UFC 206, for example, which didn't really have a lot of star power to it. That was like my favorite card. You love that. I loved that card. Yeah, you love that card. That was a great card. You know, it's interesting to see where things go. I take it back. That wasn't a great card because it was a great event. Yes. 
Um, did you guys notice that um, Kelvin Gastelum uh, called out Anderson the Spider Silva? I think it's a good move. It's obviously a good move. Someone's Does he want telling... to get into the Legends division? Though? <laughs> no, <laughs> he's the, the Legend, Legend Killer. Killers division. <laughs> so he took a page out of Chael Sonnen's book. You know, Chael Sonnen was saying, I'm the Legend Killer and fighting Tito and fighting, you know. He's going to go on the Legend. And he's buddies with Tito or uh, Chael. And so he's taking a page out of his book and he says, I'm going to pick up where Chael left off and I want to be a legend killer. I like it. So, Randy Orton, eat your heart out. <laughs> um, That's a good move. That's a good move. I mean, yeah, let, like, get... So You want to be with a name. Yeah. And to fight him in Rio, though. That's risky. Well, that's risky for his life. <laughs> But not for the fight. Not as much for the fight. I think I think Gastelum's solid. I think you were really high on him. He you has, were critical. I think you were critical because you liked him. Yes, I do like him as a fighter. Yeah, he's your. I know that a lot of fighters use the underdog card. He's truly the. He doesn't look like he should be that good. He's not like this ridiculous-looking athlete. He's not none of those things. He was last pick on the Ultimate Fighter. Like, I love that about him. I love the underdog. And and so I, I want him to be professional, and I want him to be fighting in the right weight class, and I want him to be I want to root for him, and he was making it very hard to root for him. Especially when I was in attendance at 205 and wanted to see that fight happen. In person. I don't blame you. So. Somebody had tweeted about him and his connection to TRT being tacos, something, and Twinkies. I wish <laughs> I could remember what the R was, but it was pretty funny. Ribeyes? <laughs> it might have been. It might have been ribs. It might have been tacos, tacos ribs, ribs yeah. and Twinkies. <laughs> nice. but he, he did look good last night. Yeah, I thought he looked great. I mean, which brings the question, you know, is... Is Vitor done? Does, should he hang it up right now? I think he said one more fight. He has one more under contract. I think after that he said he'd retire. Uh, see, if I'm him, I'm I'm asking the UFC to give me a, a a win. Are there wins for him? I mean, it has to be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that someone who fights. I mean, he doesn't fight that often. He's still a draw, though. He is, but I mean, do you want to go in? Uh, you want to go out on that much of a losing streak? Do you want to? It depends on what his goals are. He may need another payday. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I don't, if I don't have a retirement, well, but if he may not, who knows how much he has saved up? I mean, it's I not. Mean, you don't exactly get a, a retirement. He's package been saving money on TRT. <laughs> Well, he's going to have to get back on it once he leaves. Yeah. I mean, look, testosterone replacement therapy, if you're over 40 years old, can have a lot of health benefits if you do have low testosterone. I'm going to guess he has low testosterone. I and think most guys over 40 do. I'm also going to guess 
that he wasn't using it at safe levels. I agree. I agree. But what I'm saying is, is that if he wants to continue to live that lifestyle, it's like this. If you've, if you've ever felt good after doing something, and then you feel lousy when you don't do it, what do you want to do? Well, you want to go back to that. So he's going to need some, he might need some more money to, to fund that lifestyle. Who knows? I'm fighting for TRT. He's fighting for TRT. He wants to feel good. I noticed, um, you know, one of our favorite punching bags as MMA fans is Ty Woodley. I mean, he's one of my favorite. I mean, come on. He's a little bit of a whiner. Well, here's the thing. So... If you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk. If you're going to say you're going to destroy someone, at least try to destroy them. And uh, I, th- I think he's... So sometimes you embrace being the heel, like Josh Koscheck embrace being the heel. Yes. And that makes him, like... You like to hate him. You like People to hate care. him. Ty you Woodley. Like to hate him. You're interested. Yeah. You're invested in that person. Yeah. And I I just don't see Ty that. Ty Woodley is the guy that's hated that doesn't want to be hated. Correct. Which, if he would which just, makes you legitimately hate him. If 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 not he, me though, I don't hate him. If he would I don't hate anybody. I mean I I, I personally I think that was a smart move. What was, it's easy well, so the way he fought Thompson, um, maybe not. Was it a was it a smart move if he loses and he's not able to connect in that last thirty? That's what won him the won him the fight. Right. Yeah. If he's yeah. not able to connect in that last thirty seconds, then you're not saying that. He. Yeah, but that's like I mean that's like looking at the Seahawks Super Bowl and saying that they should have handed it off and everybody was expecting the handoff so they threw it and it didn't happen. The play loses, he's the worst coach in the world. If it wins, he's a genius. So we could debate that, but the fact is is he did win the fight. He is still champion. Thompson is ferocious when it comes to, you know, kicking and he's got this long reach. If I'm if I'm the champ and I want to stay the champ, I'm gonna make him fight my fight. I'm gonna make him come to me. They just did a lot of nothing. Which, as a fan, I was not a fan of. But I can understand why he did it. Well, here's what I don't like. I, I don't like that uh, he was complaining about the promotion of the fight. Um, saying that you know the focus was on Thompson. Look, if that's the case, and, and, and you don't want him to be the focus, guess what? You need to be the highlight reel. You need to go in there and, hey, look, I told you. You want to focus on Steven Thompson? You want to promote him as the fighter? I'm the champion. Here's why. You basically had a snooze fest. <laughs> Again, from a casual fan speaking, I know I'm sure there's Joe Rogan loved the fight. Surprise, surprise, right? Very, very tactical, very point based. Um, I did not. And so nobody but Joe. Ro- I mean, did he really love the fight? He did. That's the sad part. I don't I mean, think he did. I, I think I, I legitimately think he did, but he's looking at it from the perspective of, of a martial artist fighting smart, uh, you know, showing a lot of strategy and tactics. And for me, I, I, I you know, 
I get it. He said, look, if you want to go see I don't guys, think... I think you had two fighters in there... That were very timid. ...that did not want to lose. Well, okay. You didn't have a single fighter You're right. in there and that wanted to win. Well, it's that they were both defensively minded. It's the same thing that we saw with Mayweather and Pacquiao, right? Correct. And how From much the did Mayweather people side. like that fight? People hated the fight. Yeah. And, and so don't cry... Poor me, Ty, Ty Woodley, yeah. when you do that. Fans aren't going to like you if that's what your fights look like. Yeah, he should yeah. just embrace being a heel. Embra- that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Embrace, embrace being it. a heel instead yep. of whining about he it. He is a whine. That's why people legitimately don't like him. He would actually gain some respect. Like, that's what with Connor. Okay, what I love about Connor is he just doesn't care. He does care. But his persona is that he just doesn't care. I want to take this opportunity to apologize to absolutely no one. Ty Woodley, take notes here. You need to be the heel. It was the same with Bisping in the press conference with GSP. He he embraced it. He told the truth. Look, you wanted me because you think I'm an easy fight. Yeah, and and he's... He's learned from Connor, I feel like. Yeah, he's the poor man's Connor McGregor. Is there something in here that's echoing? Do you hear like a little bit of an echo? Yes. What is that? I do. I don't know. Interesting. I do hear it. Do you think it's the uh, these guys? I don't know. Anyway. I do hear the echo. If there's echoing going on, we apologize. Right? Yes. Very I'd like so. to take this opportunity to apologize to absolutely no one. <laughs> Speaking of Conor McGregor, just a couple days ago, Floyd Mayweather. Don't like I don't, him. It wasn't a. It wasn't a press conference. I'm gonna like move him. this because I don't like this noise that's coming from it. Take that. Um, it is this. I can tell. Um. Conor McGregor, or Floyd Mayweather, rather, has stated... I don't like this, by the way. He is out of retirement. He is officially out of retirement. I like that. To fight against Conor McGregor. I like that. And he says that... Okay, let me just read read this. It says, Floyd Mayweather's uh, pronouncement that he's coming out of retirement just to fight Conor McGregor heightens the momentum for a super fight between boxing's unbeaten, pound-for-pound great and the popular UFC lightweight champion from Ireland. He said, I don't want to hear no more excuses about the money. The UFC signed the paperwork with the UFC so we can fight in June. Don't like it. And he says, I don't want to hear no more excuses. Um, yeah, it's easy for him to say, hey, you're going to take less money than me, so be okay with it. If I'm Conor McGregor, I look at Mayweather and I say, you need me, buddy, not the other way around. Well, does he, though? Yes, absolutely. Who is Mayweather? Who can Mayweather fight that's going to draw money? But Tell he, me one he, person besides he, Conor McGregor. He gets... He gets so for for a super fight to make a hundred million dollars, who is he going to fight? But he's not being offered a hundred million dollars by the UFC. He's done fighting though. 
This is the only fight he's going to come back for. If you're Mayweather, this is the only thing you can do. All he's doing here is the only thing he can do, is put pressure on McGregor and say, if you want to fight, fight. Mayweather can't wait any longer. He, you know, he can't, he's, he's got to have the fight happen sooner than later. He, he did the absolute right thing. He put all the pressure on McGregor in the UFC. If you guys want this, let's do it. I, I think that that's fine, except for the fact that he is the, he doesn't have to negotiate with anybody else. He can, he can claim his hundred million dollar guaranteed. And Connor is now in a position that he's got to work with UFC. Maybe he has to take less money. The he has only, more hoops to jump the through. The only promotion that this fight would ever happen under is the UFC and Mayweather. Like, they're going to have to co-promote it. They're, the UFC... What? Why would the UFC ever let their biggest draw fight somewhere else? I, I would agree. Even if they sense. got a big chunk of money... You don't let your biggest draw fight elsewhere. I would agree with you because Mayweather in, is essentially a free agent. Yeah, I mean he is his own he is his own promoter. He has doesn't Mayweather yeah, have has. Mayweather Boxing or whatever? Yeah, and it, he but, has a deal with Showtime, I think, so, or something. Okay, yeah. so so how how would this work just from a just from a uh, fight atmosphere perspective, you've got a boxing ring. Do you set up a cage as well? How, how would this be a single right? What, what's going to happen at that fight? Okay, you you the big event in Dallas, Texas that you've been wanting to have. Yes, that's it. You have a stadium show. So do you have kickboxing before in the ring? What do you have? Uh, this I was promoted by UFC. I would just have. No one cares about any other boxing, so I would have UFC. Yeah, but you fights. gotta have a, you gotta have a, a warm up fight. No, you don't. You think that Mayweather McGregor would need a warm-up. You need to warm the crowd up. Not them. You have cage fights. You know the cage? There's this cage. They call it the octagon. Yeah, it's an octagon. I think I've heard of that before. So those are the warm-up fights. You have this be the biggest, you you know, UFC 205, psh, Dallas, Texas, so is Cowboys this, So is this a UFC numbered pay-per-view? Yeah, why not? Or, or is this a super event? There's no basis for that. Because when are you going to have another super event? No, you just have it be UFC 215. You could have a boxing ring. You could, you could have a cage. Have the, you could have a wrestling you have ring. The rings beside you could have each a, other. Kind Correct. of the greatest matches. <laughs> Correct. And you put other big. What if it happened at WrestleMania? Card. I mean, Mayweather's been at WrestleMania before. He wrestled a basketball the big show. court. Why know, would that? The NBA what Finals. Is, how do you find a way to make this about wrestling? It's easy. You just have to say it. What a tool. Uh, um, hi. Um, wrestling? <laughs> oh, we were talking about boxing and MMA. Oh, WWE? All right, moving on. Oh, so I I just read a part of an article that was in the L.A. Times. I didn't want to, like, plagiarize or people think I was, you know, whatever. Um, looking ahead, we have this weekend, we have another UFC fight night. And it's Jimmy Manawa and uh, Corey Anderson. And that should be, I really think that should be a good fight. And I also think Jimmy Manoa 
has great potential to um, to be a very good fighter. He he's a young guy. He has um, he has some great experience. Even in losses, he's lost to you know top top tier guys. And so I'm excited for that fight. I think this is a fight that has a lot of potential for the future of the light heavyweight division. Do you guys have any input? I know you guys are both kind of casual fans, so um, if we're talking about this, I'm assuming I'm going to carry that conversation mostly. You are going to carry the whole load. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I had looked over the schedule because as part of March Madness, I'm looking forward to spending Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday doing nothing but watching games and then I mean this because this is an afternoon too because the fight's in London yeah so the main card's at five o'clock yeah the prelims start at like what one two uh, I don't think something. that early but so I'm looking forward to it I mean I don't know a whole lot of Ma- Mano was not young I meant Corey Anderson's young Mano was like in his mid 30s or something but I mean it looks like I mean I don't know any of the fighters but I'm looking there. There haven't been bad fights. Yeah. I mean, no matter what the cards are, the pay-per-views, the fight nights, whatever, they've almost all been good for months now. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. You know, Joe Silva retired. Sean Shelby learned from him for a lot of years. And, is you know, it's just a... This is a machine. The UFC's a machine, and it keeps on chugging, keeps on plugging away, and... uh I think it's great. The um, talking about Jimmy Man- Manoa, taking a look at his record since he's been in the UFC, he's one, two, three, four, five, and two. He has victories against Ryan Jimmo, um, Ovin St. Pru, and um, Jan. Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Blankowitz. Um, you know how I am with these guys' last names. And his only two losses in his career are against Anthony Rumble Johnson, who who doesn't get knocked out by him, <laughs> Seriously. and Gustafson. So those are two of the light heavyweight kings, you know, the, the top three, four guys. I think that this is the time where... Those would be good matchups for later on. Correct. Well, and, and depending on what happens with... Cormier and oh, I'm sorry, Cormier. I have to say it wrong every time. Cormier and um, Johnson. Who knows? I think if he gets this, if he get, picks up a win here against Corey Anderson, I think he could be right back in that top, you know, top five mix. What, what is he now? I think he's probably he's number five right now. So he gets this win. And he's he's right back at it, so I, I I'm excited about that fight in particular. Looking forward to that. Um, one of the one of the things before we talk about UFC 210 in April, um, one of the things that I'm really there's a lot of younger fighters that have had opportunities recently against older fighters that are the names that strategically I think the UFC is putting them against guys that like help boost them guys they they should beat like thinking about um, Shogun Shogun was supposed to lose to Jean Vellante 
And Volante is the younger guy, the bigger, stronger guy. And these younger fighters, I think, are dropping the ball. They're supposed to be taking over these, you know, the reins are supposed to be being handed down and they're not grasping them. And so you got a guy like Shogun, who is an older fighter, legend, and his name is something that you can build your name off of, and that's what they want. It's no different than WWE. You know, you got your, you got Wait, your wrestling, except it's real. <laughs> yeah, it's no different in the in promotional pr- the promotional booking. booking. Yes, correct. Where you're you're taking the you're leveraging the fame the popularity of their opponent and you're putting them in there hoping, I wouldn't say hoping, but thinking that, hey, this is their opportunity to really like boost themselves up. And time and time again, I see the young guys not doing it, not dropping the ball. And it's it's got to be a little bit disturbing. If, if I'm, you know, Dana White, and I'm having these young guys that are losing to the old vets, the guys that are, you know, not going to be a champion anymore, and not someone who you have a long future ahead with. It's got to be disappointing. I'm sure it is. But that's just that's why you got to respect the old people. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just, Thank you for that. So, setup, okay, from now on, I will respect Sahara. That's good. All right. Yeah. No, I won't. No. <laughs> Sahara, brother, we miss you. We miss you. It's been terrible without you. All right. Moving on, um, I want to talk about... The UFC 210 card, we have Anthony Rumble Johnson getting his potentially last shot at UFC gold. It's going to be last shot against Cormier. Cormier. I think this could be his... his, It could be his last shot. I mean, he's not a young guy. Um... We we talked about last week how if Cormier, actually this might have been two weeks ago, if Cormier tries to stand with Rumble, he'll lose, even though that's what he says he's going to do. We both know that that's not going to happen because he would lose, and I think he knows that. I think this is just his way of trying to sell the fight. Otherwise, like what do we need to see again? We're going to see th- I Cormier actually take he- him down and lay on top of him and... But I actually thought he was a little older than he is. He's only 33. I thought he was like mid... mid I, I probably put, would have guessed 36. So, yeah, maybe he will have... He, yeah, he won't have another chance against Cormier. Because Cormier... Cormier. I sometimes forget how to say it. Right? I don't think you know how to say it. No, it's Cormier, but I try to say it wrong because that's who I am. Unless I meet him in person, then I'll try to say it right. Um, yeah, he's old. He's 39, I think. Cormier. Yeah. Let me see. 
What is oh, it? yeah, we looked it up. He's 38. Oh, he's 37. He'll be, he'll be, what's the date? He turns 38 in like seven days. Yeah. So. He's as old as you. No, he's he's younger. Okay. He's he's a good two years younger than me. <laughs> Almost. I'll be forty this year. What? Be a man. Yeah. You're gonna be over the hill? What are you trying to say? <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do something. You know fun. how old Mooney is? Uh he's ninety three. <laughs> <laughs> he is. That's younger than I thought. I, uh, yeah. True. You I thought he la- was at least triple digits. <laughs> you were laughing because you thought I was joking. I, you thought I was older. You're like, ah, oh, come on. He's not that young. 93. Wishing hair shiny. Um, so Cormier is... Um, yeah, Cormier. 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 Cormier is... Yeah. I don't, I don't see... Johnny Bones Jones, does he get an immediate shot when he get, comes back? Um, no. No. It's I don't think not... he'd want an immediate uh, that. I don't I think he'd want to take another fight first. Because when he came back from his from being off last time, he needed a he didn't look good I, as I'm first telling fight back. you right now, if he's gonna take if the I'm Cormier uh, Cormier I want to fight him immediately. I would right. agree. And if I'm the UFC, I'm going to put that as the co-main event of another. They should put they should put John Jones and uh, Habib Nurmagomedov or Nurmagomedov uh, on the same card because those two are notorious for pulling out of fights that fans want to it's see. Just have them fight each if, other if, as part of the Mayweather McGregor. There you go. If Look, if they can, if one of those two fights happen, it'll be worth the price of admission. Yeah. Well, I I think it can be a main event. It just has to have a co-main event that could be a main event. Dana's already said, I don't feel comfortable with him main eventing anymore. So Habib or no John Jones? John Jones, just because he's an idiot. Yeah. He's the. He's not an idiot. He's the king of He's bad made decisions. Poor choices. Yeah, and he would acknowledge that. Yeah. And we, we hope that those poor choices don't continue. But even in the interview that we heard with John Ro- or Joe Rogan, I could I could still tell that there were demons there that were left to be dealt with. I think he's in a better place than he was, but I just get this sense that he still has demons to overcome. Hmm. Huh. Don't we all? Don't we all? Yeah, you know what though? Our ours don't have the, the the amount of potential for fight fans for the rest of the world and his do. If he can overcome his, the world will benefit by seeing great fights. He is pound for pound probably one of the greatest of all time, if not arguably the greatest of all time. I think he's pound for pound the most talented of all time. I think he's arguably the greatest of all time. And I strongly believe that had he not had the personal issues, he would easily, far and away, not even close, today, be considered the greatest of all time. And it wouldn't even be close. But those things are huge. And yeah, 
I think now you can argue Spider, you can argue St. Pierre, you can argue Fedor at his peak uh, between 2000 and 2009, 2010. Um, but John Jones, man, none of those guys have the all-around complete talent and skill. What's wrong over there? You okay there, Terry Dactyl? You okay? Okay, you had a strange look on your face. Oh, that's your normal face. Um, and then Gegard Musasi versus Chris Weidman. What do you guys think of that? That's I mean, a great fight. I agree. It's a great matchup. I mean, Musasi's on the rise. Weidman shouldn't be on the decline, but... His, well, I, his, I think he looked really good against Romero until he I got mean, caught. I mean, yeah. that, that was an unfortunate. That, and Romero is. He's a beast. Such a, you know. He's a difficult person to fight. Because his wrestling is, no matter who you are, is way better than yours. <laughs> no matter who you are, his wrestling is way better than yours. Cormier? Is, is Romero's wrestling better than Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're different weight classes, but I think, you know, Cormier, Cormier was a, was a, there's a difference between a gold medal winner and a Olympian, Olympic, you know, a guy that made the Olympics, didn't place. And Romero is that guy. He's, and he doesn't even use it. He's rarely using his wrestling because he's so powerful. So who's beating him? Um, to be honest, I think that Bisbing is someone who could beat him. Do I think he would? Probably not. I think it's like playing with fire. Like, yeah, you might be able to like flick your finger through it a couple times, and but eventually that fire is just gonna woof and it's just gonna overtake you. I, I love Bisbing's gimmick. And persona right now, I I would love it if he beats GSP. I'd love it if he beats from it. Like everybody's exp like, okay, he's fighting GSP. He's gonna lose the belt, and then he doesn't. Oh oh, he's definitely gonna lose the Romero, and then he doesn't. That would be kind of fun. So I do think in order for Bisbing's title reign to be respected, he's got to beat someone in the top two, like top two contenders you can't fight number 14 that's only not going to retire because he's getting a gift title shot <laughs> how did i mean yeah it's ridiculous it should not have happened it was lost. it was like the easy fight i'm serious that's the only way i could look at it it's the e not an easy fight i by no means not an easy fight it's the easiest possible fight that he could possibly make. And you know what I mean? Like, because of the history, the, you know, UFC 100 rematch, all those things. And the how he lost that fight in one of the most devastating single shots, the H-bomb. Ugh, put your tongue in your mouth. That's disgusting. Um, but what do you... Uh, do you... Do you guys have a problem with them booking that fight? 
It's, it's GSP St. Pierre. It's odd. I mean, GSP. I think it's odd. <laughs> GSP St. Pierre. I mean, to give, regardless How? of, I mean, GSP is obviously, you know, legend, amazing fighter, but he's been gone. You know, to give him that, I don't know. It just, it just seems odd. And in a yeah. weight class that he's never fought, I would have less trouble from a deserving a title shot aspect like that if he went in and welterweight instead of or yeah this fight is why the UFC is as big as it is today is because Dana White recognizes that if the purists want to see one two three four fight all day long that that is going to be great for the purists, but it's not necessarily going to pull in enough of the casual fan, you know, and their audience to tune in and, and see somebody that, that maybe they wouldn't have paid a ticket to see, but happened to be there when GSP was fighting Bisbang. This makes all the sense in the world to me. If I'm GSP, this makes a lot of sense. He's looking at the title landscape and he's saying, if I'm going to get a title, I think I can beat this Bisbang guy. And if and if he doesn't, so it's good that way. If Bisbing wins and it it, it further uh, legitimizes him, I think this is a good matchup either way. Dana White. What happens he, with Romero? No. What happens if Saint Pierre wins? He's gonna have to defend it. He's gonna have to retire again because he was. I don't think no, he'd he want to face Romero. Well, he's not gonna face Romero. Well, that's the thing. Like, that's why this might not make sense. So it does make sense. So Romero's still gonna fight Bisping after. No, you don't. The guy was promised the title shot. You don't not give him the shot next. Well, you you do not want Romero fighting GSP. That's not good for anybody. Um. So that's why this is a problem. Okay, but look. Here's what's going to happen. You can't give a guy a title shot and then not have him face the legitimate guys who deserve the title shot. Best case here is that Bisping wins by controversial decision. Best case. Now look, if GSP does win, he's going to fight Anderson Silva. Mm. What about Kelvin Gastelum? No. Anderson Silva. No, 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 no. So look, you want Anderson Silva to fight GSP. Hopefully, there's a title there, and then maybe wait a title where? Maybe when he fights Anderson Silva, maybe Silva's a champion. Wait, what? Well, so if GSP How would wins Anderson the belt, Silva, because we're going for matchups here. We're not going one versus no, no, two. You're saying if. You're, I thought you said GSP loses a no, controversial. No, GSP wins. I'm then, saying that would be best case for the fight because it preserves GSP. He can go on and fight somebody else. He's still a draw, and now Bisping's still the champion. I don't think you want GSP as the champion, but you don't want him to get beaten cleanly either. You can't write a script for this dude. I, I'm not saying. I'm yeah. not saying that you write you a script. Have... I'm talking about what is the. What is the but what, why what keeps the value yourself? of both high? You're putting a restriction. You're 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 shooting for something that is so specific that the likelihood of a Bisbing win in a controversial decision is like slim to none. 
I don't think Bisbing can win a decision. I think he's got to finish him. Now, GSP is the king of decisions. Yeah. I don't think Bisbing can, for five rounds, five minutes, for 25 minutes, you know, be so the better man so for then here's 15 what, of So those. then here's what happens. GSP beats Bisbing, vacates the belt. Bisbing still fights Romero for the interim title. There would be no interim. Okay, so the, for the belt. So nobody that loses the belt should be fighting for it. Yeah, I just that's just stupid. Okay, well that's probably what's going to happen because you do not want to see GSP versus Wait, wh- Romero. What do you think would happen with GSP versus Romero? I think Romero would beat the crap out of him. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Really? I mean, I could be wrong. GSP never lost other than a flash, and then he lost to Penn really early in his career. Okay. And Penn was like... 2017, he last fought in 2013. How how much, incrementally, has the UFC skill-wise improved? I mean, I think GSP's going to be better now. He may be better he than be, what he not was. Not on the scale. I, I don't know. It's hard we, to say. And that's what's so great. He, that's why we're going to tune in to watch it. Yeah. Sure. Um, you got Gegard Musasi versus Chris Weidman. Great, at great UFC matchup. UFC 210. Love the matchup. Charles Oliveira and Will Brooks. Love that matchup. Thiago Alves versus Patrick Cote. Um... Love that matchup? No, it's bad. What? I'm just kidding. I don't, you don't, I don't know, know either one of those. <laughs> and then you got the fight. Uh, Blan- Blanchowitz versus Patrick Cummings. And they're fighting for their jobs. The loser of that fight is, is it likely lo- it's, it's loser leaves town? Loser leaves town. <laughs> they're both lost three of their last four fights. So I don't think that either one of them um, wants to take their chances to lose four out of five in the UFC. So that's a great card we're looking forward to. Guys, it is now time. It's time. It is now time for you to push the pause button on your, not right now, I'll explain, to push the pause button on your podcast. Because it is fight. Pass flashback time. We have fight pass flashback. This is this is where we are going to pause. We are going to check out an all-time historical fight, and the fight that we have chosen to watch. Brought to you by Fight Pass. The fight that we have chosen to watch is Chuck the Iceman Liddell. Versus Tito Ortiz, two. Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz. What, as casual fans, what do you guys know about this? It happened a while ago. <laughs> yeah, do you insightful. Know anything else? No, I mean, they're, they're, no, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, they're yeah, I wasn't two really amazing watching. fighters. So this for me is like my peak interest prime like i'm always super interested anyway <laughs> but like these are that these are the, my best memory moments so this was 
UFC 66. This was the main event. We're going to hit the pause button. Watch that now. We want you to do the same. When we come back, we're going to talk about the fight. Now, some of you right now are saying, wait a second, I don't have Fight Pass. I have a solution for you, and here's what you need to do. You need to go on your computer, type in www. You don't even need the www anymore, but you could put it either way. Octagon247.com. Put that in your browser. That's our website. Once you get to that page, there is our our logo at the top that shows Octagon247. And right next to it, for your ease, there is a link to give you a free one-week trial of Fight Pass. Go sign up for that with, from that link, and you'll get a free week of Fight Pass. You can listen to that and then come back to us. You can cancel at any time. Go do that right now. In about 10 seconds, we're going to hit the pause button, and then when we get back, we are going to review that fight, talk about the actual fight and the historical value of the fight. So we're going to pause right now and enjoy the fight. Okay, we are back. We just watched UFC 66 main event Chuck Liddell Tito Ortiz the rematch to set up well, first of all, this is your last chance. If you haven't hit pause yet and gone and watched it, do that now. Octagon247.com gets you a free week, free trial of Fight Pass. Go and do that now. But make sure you do it through Octagon247.com. Now, this is your last chance. Five, four, three, two, one. We're talking about the fight. To set up this fight, there's a history here. There are... Ortiz and Liddell, they, they, they used to be friends, they were, um, they did training together. As a matter of fact, Dana White was both of their manager at the same time. And so... What do you mean both of their managers at the same time? He managed both fighters. But I thought he was like president of UFC. Before Zufa bought the UFC, he managed those guys... And that was years ago. So he was both of their manager. And that's how he got... So he was a former boxer. Not, like, high level, but he was a boxer. And then was in that, like, business. And, and then, then got run out by the Irish Mafia. Got into the managing business and managing fighters. And Chuck Liddell and... and Tito Ortiz, not real sure how he got together with them, but was managing both of those fighters. Then was friends with um, the Vertitas. When he found out the UFC was for sale, he convinced them to purchase the UFC for $2 million. Turned out to be a pretty good investment. It actually was, because I don't know if you guys heard about this, but the Vertitas are no longer the owners of the UFC. Did you hear about that? No. They yes, actually sold the UFC for a little more than the $2 million they originally invested. Actually, they were pouring money into it and losing it hand over fist until the ultimate they fighter. They sunk in 40, right? I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't, 
Did you hear that number? Yeah. I, I've never heard that number. I know they were in the hole a lot. Yeah, forty million is what I heard. And they were there were points where we cut our losses, you know. Right. And, right. And so I don't know how close they were to that, but so um, Tito and Chuck are buddies. Tito claims they promised to never fight. Chuck says that never happened. When someone's the champion and you think you're the best, you go, you agree to fight. And so Chuck believed that Tito was ducking him for years when Tito was the champion. Finally, Tito loses the belt, whatever. They end up fighting in the original fight, which was UFC 47, which Liddell won via knockout early in the second round. So, that leads to UFC 66. The rematch, Chuck Liddell is the heavy or is the light heavyweight champion. And, um, the, um, yeah, so that's pretty much the lead up. Um, there's still no love lost. Although, you know, they have respect for each other. And they showed that throughout. It was a respectful, you know, they... You know, fist bumped at the beginning of rounds and, and introductions and things like that, but um, a respectful f- attitude towards each other. So, all right, I've got to make this comment. Okay, I thought yeah, it was, go ahead, shoot. I thought it was so strange that Chuck Liddell was doing his walkout and he didn't either have the belt on his shoulder or around his waist. So, what, what's the deal? Yeah, that's the thing that, like, you get caught up on, and I would never think twice about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, why? Tell me why. People knew he was the champion, so. Like. Yeah. I don't think it. Why do you need the. This isn't wrestling. I'm talking about just from a marketing and promotions perspective. If you're that's the champion. That's not who Chuck Liddell is. You wear the belt. That's not who Chuck Liddell you is. You wear the belt. Chuck Liddell is worried about the marketing of a B.A. Bad bum. B.B. <laughs> Bad bum. <laughs> yeah, I don't, let's strike that from the record. Of just the ultimate tough guy. That's his marketing. He doesn't need, he's, he's the champ, he doesn't need to. Do you, do you see a champion today coming out without the belt? I don't look I at don't those things. I don't pay attention to it. Yeah. I... I mean, I guarantee you, you could find someone. I mean, he obviously brought the belt out. It was there. Somebody brought the belt out, but it wasn't okay. him. So, what else? Are you going to talk about the how the microphone wire was thicker than... No, I want to talk about Bruce Buffer and his Tito Ortiz. <laughs> He's really grown and improved as a ring announcer. I it will was, say that. It was interesting seeing just the production, the difference in production value and stuff. And I mean, it's obviously no matter what that it, you know you can look at the NFL ten years ago and the production yeah. value is going to change. But it was just interesting to see. Well, Joe know, Rogan with the, hair and with a so, uh, a higher voice, <laughs> Michael Jackson voice. <laughs> yeah, I'm standing here with the champion. <laughs> If Joe Reagan was here, he would probably... That would be an honor. I'll, I'll take my chances. Um, 
what else? What else? Come on. It's a good fight. Uh, it, it's, it was just. Oh, there was a. F- oh, we're talking about a mixed martial arts fight, too. <laughs> you guys are. I'm talking about the promotional aspect of it. Hey, did you see. Um, I wonder if there are any pro wrestlers in the crowd. <laughs> So this is this is a little over a decade ago, a little over yeah. ten years ago. You said that was the first UFC show that did over a million buys. It is. It's historic. Its great significance of this event was had had one million fifty thousand okay. buys, first ever that peaked at over a million. So two thousand six. Did that happen before or after the Tough Final? After. Okay. So, maybe we're seeing that upswing. A lot of viewers tuning in, not, not to take anything well, away from and Chuck season. was one of the coaches on the Ultimate Fighter 1. I think it was, yep. I think it was, it was Chuck and, and Couture. Couture. Yeah. yeah. So, could be a little bit of synergy there. Not taking anything away from the drawing power of those two, but we could have seen the tough effect. Yeah, we definitely right. did. Yeah. We definitely it's did. Great, There's no though. doubt about it. It's great. Let's make no mistake about it. The ultimate fighter is why the UFC is worth 400, was worth 400, no, $4 billion. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, that's, yeah. if they didn't do that reality show, it wouldn't have lasted. Yeah. They had to find a way to bring in new people to attract viewers to get people to start watching it to get people to pay money yeah each month to see an event and because people weren't doing it um that's why i'm so interested in marketing though but that's why like it was as if demetrius johnson was fighting on every pay-per-view back then nobody watched it right and that's the thing is that there can be a lot of good things that are going on but if there's not if it's not marketable or if it's not marketed correctly Nobody cares. People have to be emotionally invested. And I think that's what you saw with Tough, is the people got to know them as people and behind the scenes. And, you know, there was an emotional connection, and boom, we're off to the races. So what did you think of the fight? I thought it was good. I mean, you know, I think... So you guys don't have it's the... Just, it's... Well, I mean, it. I, I can't remember when the first time I saw Liddell fight... That's but I mean, in that fight, time. they were 37 and 31. Yes. <laughs> you know, so it's not like they were, you know, Liddell especially, it's not like he was a young guy getting his start, and that's 10 years ago. And it just, you know, you having watched him later in his career, didn't realize, I mean, uh, yeah, his obviously his fists were still strong back then, but just, you know, them talking about, the fear, you know, how much you had to pay attention to that, and that was his strong point, and that was, you know, that's what you had to watch out to was those fists flying at you. It was interesting with the stoppage, not to say that I don't want to question the referee, but it was interesting as soon as it was stopped that it seemed like Tito was already starting to... Yeah. Not come back or anything it, like it, that, but it was... It was a... It was anticlimactic. Correct. Because it was like, oh, he's getting some shots, and okay, he's not really defending as much as he should, but he's hitting a lot of the arms, but oh, he landed one in here and one in there, and okay, we're going to stop it. And then Tito was, you know, not to say he was going to make the move and turn the fight, but was still intelligently 
defending himself and was still able to absorb blows. So I'm not, you know, saying that the fight would have, the, the outcome of the fight would have been any different, but it certainly wasn't the way I'm sure anybody would have liked to have seen it finished. Yeah, I think so. So up into up until this point, this was an event that was unlike any other UFC event in the buildup, in the anticipation. You know, how, like the anticipation of a McGregor fight. Like you, you get so excited. This was the first time there was that for a UFC event, and well. To that, to the scale that it was, and so, um, and it was kind of, it was mainstream. There were there were celebrities in the audience. I don't know if it showed it. Did it show they any celebrities? They I don't didn't. Think they so. showed. They more showed just showed UFC related people. Anderson Silva okay. and Quentin Rampage Jackson and yeah, I didn't even see Silva. Yeah, but I remember um, what's that woman's name? She was at all of Chuck Liddell's. Jewel- Julia, Julia Lewis, Punky Brewster, no, Julia Louis Dreyfus, no, not her. I don't know. There was one. Oh, from Seinfeld. And then, yeah, no, no. stop. What is wrong with you? Get a hold of yourself. Yes, this is a show about. Sahara's something. not here, and you're just off running your own thing. You should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, but that should always be the case too. So, so. I I thought Tito Ortiz standing looked better than he had ever looked previously. Um, because Chuck Liddell is a monster on the on the feet, and how, Tito how Ortiz does... landed landed more big shots than I. I mean, Chuck was never a guy that was, you know, he blocked a lot of punches with his face in his career. And it wasn't until late in his career that he wasn't able to do that anymore, and he would just get knocked out. But I, I got to ask you though, where does if if you take Chuck Liddell in his prime today, how does he stack up in the division? Standing? No, 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 all around. Well, he had a great, he had an unbelievable sprawl. It was so hard to take Liddell down. Um, so I think he would keep most fights standing. He'd be a top. Top five. Top five, yeah. yeah. I don't know that he would be like... His dominant. So here's the thing. Chuck Liddell, if he would have been a gym rat, if he would have been like the guy that was working harder than, as hard as everyone, if he'd have worked like GSP, Chuck Liddell had unlimited potential. As a matter of fact, the best I saw Chuck Liddell look physically was in his last fight. He was, he was, it was against um, Rich he was, Franklin. because he was working with Tony Robbins. Hmm? He was working with Tony Robbins. What's he talking about? I have no idea. I mean, I, I am pretty sure he's on some kind of drug. Yeah, it's a distinct possibility. What? What Tony you Robbins. You don't know who Tony Robbins is? He's the motivational speaker? Yeah, he was working with Chuck Liddell. Showing him how to fight. No, not, not fighting from the mental, just mental aspects. Where are you getting this? From, I don't know, I've seen it. Okay, so you're crediting. No, I'm saying, I'm just You're crediting about it. Tony Robbins with Chuck Liddell looking good. 
Tony Robbins says revolutionary is a fight game. <laughs> Talking about the mental aspect of fighting. Here's what I heard. I heard Chuck Liddell used to you know, get the butterflies before fighting, and then it got to the point where he's not getting the butterflies before fighting. He's going out to a nice dinner. And he worked with Tony to try to get some of that mental game back. I'm almost yeah. speechless. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's true. Okay. Okay. So it's on the inter- back it's to, on the internet. Can I go back to talking <laughs> about something that isn't whatever you were talking about? You can, can we not talk You can, but the ratings will go down. <laughs> How about a pact to never talk about Tony Robbins? I'll bring him up every time on the podcast ever uh, ne- again. Next time. Next time. You can start your own podcast. It'll be the <laughs> Tony Robbins Fan Club <laughs> MMA podcast, okay? And you can talk I about like Tony Robbins and WWE the whole time. Fans, if that's what you want to see, please let us know your feedback. Info at octagon247.com. Pretty sure that's not going to get hit up. So, can I talk about things that aren't stupid and brought up by you? The please. best I ever saw Chuck Liddell look. Wait, this is outside of working with Tony Robbins, right? <laughs> Was when he fought Rich Franklin, and it was his last fight of his career, and he got knocked out, I think, oh, I have it right here. Yeah, early in the second round. And, but he was more dynamic striking, he looked in better physical shape. He was just at a point in his career where he was, you know, it, it was, he, he, he couldn't take, take a punch. punch. And, but... From a skill standpoint, from a physical standpoint, from a all-around standpoint, he looked better in that fight. Um, and I was a big Chuck Liddell fan, and I was tired of seeing him get knocked out. And uh, it was painful to watch. And when I saw him in that first round against Rich Franklin, I was super excited. And then he got his chin touched, and, and it was all over. And you weren't as excited. Yeah, but... I remember that fight. You do? I remember, I think we. I I'm pretty sure I watched it with you. Really? And I just remember you being disappointed, very disappointed. Yeah. Because your boy was done. Yeah. That was that. That was, was in 2010. So that was five years after the fight we're talking about. Well, the fight we were talking about. Yes. Anyway, that is. That's all. That's all we got for you. You got anything else? You guys want anything else you want to add other than Tony Robbins talk? <laughs> do you want me to do my Vetch Correa imperson- dance impersonation? Well, I mean, this is a podcast. You understand okay. how those work, right? Yes. I know you're so, new. So we wouldn't lose any viewers to seeing it. I know Johnny <laughs> Stats. He's new to the podcasting. However. And he has a face for radio. He does have a face for radio. Or podcasting. podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) However, I'm pretty sure if you did show if you did show the Betch Correa dance, it wouldn't affect. (laughs) I'm gonna have to YouTube this. It wouldn't affect ratings. Um, So that's all we got. Um, On behalf of the crew at MMA Fancast and Octagon247.com, in association with Tony Robbins, we plead. For you to rate, review, and subscribe the, to the podcast. And um, we, we appreciate all of you listeners each and every week. 
listening to these clowns that are with me. I am obviously not a part of that. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Have a wonderful week. And... Oh, yeah. And God bless. thing I've ever heard in my life.